Welcome to the Blockdown Podcast, brought to you by EOK Digital, the number one blockchain PR and communications agency. Every week, we're sharing pearls of wisdom about the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Don't forget to subscribe and review our podcast so we can bring you even more great content. Bang. And we're back. Next up on Blockdown. His superpower is distilling complex information into simple, actionable intelligence. He's an entrepreneur, an educator, strategic thinker inspired by hard problems and a huge fan of that good old Bitcoin. Please welcome the head of user acquisition at Swan Bitcoin, Brandon Quidham. Brandon, take it away. Hey, thanks for the introduction there. Appreciate it. So yeah, like it, like you just said there, my name is Brandon Quidham, and the title of my talk today is The Mycelium of Money. Okay, and in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to take you on a journey through the parallels of network organisms like fungi and network technologies like Bitcoin. And I've done a lot of research and writing about these ideas, uh, published long form essays you can find on my personal blog, brandyquidham.com. I've um, also done some talks on this in the past. And so if you like this stuff, there's plenty more. And what I can say about this is at the end of this 15 minutes, you will never look at Bitcoin or fungi the same ever again. All right, here we go. So the first question is why? Why am I looking at these parallels? Why study nature? Okay, number one, nature has already solved most of our design challenges. And the reason is our nature and our biology has been iterating for billions of years. And humans, by comparison, are roughly 500,000 years old. And so that these designs that nature comes up with, they persist because they're successful. Okay, that's number one. Number two is the technology that we have here in society uh, ultimately shapes our humanity, right? It's, it's a symbiotic relationship between man and machine. And so by shaping our technology, we actually influence the outcome of our species. And I feel that is our duty uh, to do appropriately. All right. So uh, first quote here, uh, I have to mention, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Ralph Merkel, one of the fathers of public key cryptography, he was the first one, as far as I'm aware, to point out the fact that Bitcoin is an example of a new form of life. It lives and breathes on the internet. It pays people to keep it alive, etc. It's a wonderful quote. And when I was exploring Bitcoin uh, four years ago or so, uh, initially, I was trying to answer the question, what is Bitcoin? Because, you know, this thing is strange. It's not like anything we've ever had. And I found that the parallels to the natural world were the most illuminating way to understand this thing. And in particular, Bitcoin had Bitcoin's best characteristics are actually reflections of evolutionary strategies found in nature, specifically in the fungi kingdom. So who is Brandon? Why should you care? Um, yes, I do user acquisition for Swan. I also write and speak. Uh, personally, I'm obviously interested in fungi, surfing, yoga, wilderness backpacking, wild food cooking, traveling, learning, many other things. Uh, previous work history, I spent a lot of time at Oracle doing enterprise software, built and sold companies. Um, and now I'm very much focused on building businesses in the Bitcoin space. Um, let's get right into it. So the parallels between Bitcoin and mycelium. Number one, 
This is a picture of mycelium, by the way. And mycelium is the primary form that fungi take. So you can think of this as an underground root system that connects all the trees together. Uh, it's essentially Earth's natural internet. It's in every ecosystem around the world, trading resources, trading information. The forests are all connected. Okay. That's what mycelium is. It's everywhere. And there's millions of little endpoints searching for food, defending their territory. And what's unique about this is there's no central processing unit. There's no brain of mycelium. Instead, it forms is to centralize consensus on how to find resources, when to reproduce, what's the best strategies, etc. And this actually mirrors the intelligence demonstrated by the Bitcoin network, right? The users and the nodes, they determine what software they wish to run and enforce consensus rules. The miners, right, they do security and, and accounting. Companies choose to interact. Everyone else voluntarily participates. And all these different stakeholders come together and they they create consensus. Consensus emerges out of all these decentralized units, just like mycelium. Um, next, the mycelium archetype, right? This is the, that decentralized network archetype. It's persisted throughout our universe for billions of years. Uh, fungi are billions of years old. Uh, if we zoom way in on neurons, they actually show the same decentralized uh, intelligence archetype. If we zoom way out, large scale in the universe, this is how dark matter and dark energy um, organizes throughout our, uni our universe. So what does this tell us, right? You zoom in, you zoom way out. Well, what it tells me is that the network archetype is a self-organizing principle that works because it, it keeps persisting throughout nature. Okay. And this is very important for Bitcoin because what that means is we've stumbled on a good strategy that I think will last for a very, very long time. Okay. Um, Life without a central point of failure, right? We mentioned this with mycelium. It's a decentralized network intelligence. But what happens if you chop that mycelial network in half? Well, what happens is now you have two networks. You don't actually kill the network. And so uh, every time you attack it, it just gets stronger in that sense. Um, and in the same with Bitcoin, right? You can take down an individual developer, node, exchange, et cetera. They could all be vulnerable. However, they're not crucial to the network. Uh, another way to say this in, with Bitcoin, there's no one to jail. There's no one to shut down. There's no hardware to seize. And this, this uh, lack of central point uh, of focus or processing unit, um, it's actually way less efficient. But by trading off efficiency, you become much, much more resilient. Uh, and that's what matters when you're taking on the state here. Um, to continue on this anti-fragility, this is a Nassim Taleb concept. Fragile systems, when they're introduced with chaos, they break. Anti-fragile systems actually improve when they're in the presence of chaos. And so underground, in the mycelial realm, these little organisms are constantly fighting microbiological uh, battles. And what they do is the mushroom scientists observe a predator. They send information through the network. The mushroom scientists, they create a new custom enzyme, ship that enzyme over where the attacker is, and that enzyme deals with the predator. And over time, what you find is that the, the microbiological network actually collects new uh, enzymes in which to defend itself. So it actually learns. It gets better over time. And this is very similar to Bitcoin. So if there's a bug or an attack in the Bitcoin network, information travels to the network, it lands with the developers, developers create a new software patch or enzyme, they ship that software patch throughout the network, and the system learns, right? And this has been compounding over time. Uh, mycelium have been around for over a billion years, Bitcoin only around 12 years, but every time you attack it, it's getting stronger. And like our Congressman Patrick McHenry said, Bitcoin cannot be killed. All right, dealing with the competition. Uh, a very quick genetics lesson. So um, traditionally, genetics are our genes are passed down vertically. You have a mother, you have a father, uh, they reproduce, 
and vertically the genes transfer to the offspring, right? Okay. What's interesting with fungi is they have the ability to do horizontal gene transfer. And what that means is two organisms in the same ecosystem, one organism can steal genetic information from the other and implement it in its own body. Okay. And this is kind of crazy. It's a new thing for, for science. Uh, but there's an interesting parallel here with Bitcoin, which is that all these other altcoins, they're competing, they're trying to come up with new technologies. And the good ideas that these networks come up with, um, what's interesting is that Bitcoin can actually absorb those technologies and bolt it onto Bitcoin in different layers, right? There's this narrative that Bitcoin's slow. Okay, yeah, sure, it's slow at the blockchain layer. And so what happens? You have these other altcoins who try to make a faster coin. Um, and what happens now? Bitcoin puts the Lightning Network on top of Bitcoin, and now it obsoletes any network that tries to compete simply by fast transactions. And I think Satoshi understood uh, this horizontal gene transfer because he essentially bolted all these different technologies together, the proof of work, the peer-to-peer -peer layer, um, all these things together um, to create Bitcoin. And so it's my belief that Satoshi was a mycologist. Next up, uh, one thing that what um, fungi do in the ecosystem is they act as an immune system of the forest, right? They connect the trees, they share information, and actually um, provides a, a benefit to the tree. So if there's a predator, the system is more resilient. Fungi actually store water droplets and they share information. So when times are tough, fungi can support the trees. And, and Bitcoin is similar in a sense that it's, it actually acts as humanity's immune system. And it protects people from overreaching governments, cancer essential banks, rent-seeking businesses of all kinds. And um, it's kind of like a parallel financial system at this point that cannot be corrupted. Next, proof of work. So I would say proof of work is the most misunderstood aspect of Bitcoin. Uh, it's also the most profound. And the parallel here is that fungi actually recycle organic matter in their ecosystem. So if a tree drops some leaves onto the ground, what happens? Well, fungi leap out of the ground and they digest that tree, uh, that leaf uh, on the ground and break it down into its base elements, you know, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, et cetera. And it ships that throughout the ecosystem. Okay. Uh, and then those, those newly liberated resources are able to trade and it actually makes the whole system stronger. Bitcoin is very similar. Um, it has a reputation for consuming a lot of energy, but when you look at look at what that actually means, Bitcoin is unlocking stranded energy, meaning energy that could not be used. So think stranded hydro or stranded geothermal where there's no demand near that supply. The options are waste the energy, meaning you produced it and no one buys it, no one uses it, or you plug in a Bitcoin miner in that remote area and you're actually harvesting value out of that. So you're unlocking that value. Very interesting. Um, okay, this one's fun. We're in the middle of a bull market. So the mushroom life cycle um, spends most of its life underground in the mycelial form. Then when the conditions are right, it sends a mushroom out of the ground, which is just the fruiting body. That's the reproductive organ. And as soon as that fruiting body reaches maturity, it releases little spores, little tiny mushroom seeds, which land nearby. And some of them colonize new life and the cycle continues. Bitcoin's life cycle is similar. It spends most of its time in a bear market. It's quiet. No one's paying attention. And then when the conditions are right. Bitcoin focuses all its energy and explodes in price. New people flock in. Everybody's talking about it. We're right in the beginning of that stage right now. And as soon as it reaches its peak, historically, the price would come back down. However, a whole bunch of new people came in. They formed relationships. They're forming new colonies. And now the system will be bigger next time. Um, one interesting thing here is uh, social scalability, which is a Zabo term, and it means cooperating flexibly over long distances and across time. And essentially what that means is 
increasing social scalability allows us to create more complex societies. Okay. Um, to go quickly here, fungi do that, right? They create this forest. They give all the forest, everything it needs so that people can communicate and you can create this really complex, rich ecosystem and diversity in biology equals uh, sustainability. And so similar with Bitcoin, we want um, this beautiful network all around the world that allows us to cooperate better as individuals. And what Bitcoin does is it understands that trust between individuals is very expensive. And so the way to get around that is Bitcoin decentralizes itself, which is very expensive. So it pays the upfront cost of decentralization in order to lower the cost of trust. Because instead of trusting your counterparty, you trust the protocol. And this is going to allow Bitcoin to, to enable humans to transcend the glass ceiling we're under now, which is essentially the nation state, uh, nation states battling with each other. We need to transcend this a little bit. And I think Bitcoin's a big part of the story. Okay, so I only have a few minutes left. Um, I'm going to go with the slime mold story because everyone loves this one. So um, Japanese scientists were building the, the subway system in Tokyo. Okay. And what they did was they modeled the, the stops. Each little stop is uh, represented by an oat flake in the image, which happens to be the slime mold's favorite food. Okay. Then they released a slime mold, which is kind of like a fungi, technically not. And what the slime mold did was it grew and connected itself to all the food which are proxies for train stations. And then in the next 12 hours, it re-architected itself to form the most efficient network topology possible. It essentially solved the traveling salesman's problem as a slime mold. Okay, why do I say this? I say this because um, Bitcoin is decentralized and sometimes decentralized decision-making actually outcompetes centralization of these Japanese engineers, which I'm sure were great. However, in this situation, decentralized computing is more powerful, and that's what Bitcoin does. It pushes complexity to the edge, and that's where all the experimentation happens. And if you break the experimentation on the edge, no problem. Bitcoin continues. So I'm going to fast forward a few slides here. Bitcoin inspires religiosity. We should form symbiosis with Bitcoin, uh, both at the individual level and at the company level. Um, fiat is a monocrop. Bitcoin is like a rainforest. Um, and monies compete in this natural selection, right? So there's economic evolution by natural selection playing out here. And Charles Darwin mentioned that it's the most adaptable money that survives, not necessarily the strongest. And so um, sorry for the quick wrap up at the end there, but these are uh, very deep concepts and I wanted to go, go deep with the ones that I did get into. And so just for some rap wrapping thoughts here, um, the Bitcoin organism, it is here to stay. Okay. And one lesson we've learned throughout evolutionary history is that partnering with fungi is a very smart evolutionary strategy. And I believe the same with partnering or forming symbiosis with Bitcoin. And if you do that, you might find what you like. Thank you so much for listening. Come say hello on Twitter. My DMs are open and I love talking about this stuff. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Blockdown podcast. To connect with us on social media, buy tickets for the next Blockdown event, or find out more about EAK Digital, head to the show notes for further information and links to everything. See you next week.